Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message.
Come on, are you grateful for that night that he was born? You know, guys, so many times we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of Christmas and the buying of gifts and the family parties and meetings and all those things. And like all those things are amazing. But when we really think about what happened on that night when Jesus was born, that that was the beginning of a love story being fulfilled of somebody who would be born and live a sinless life and go to a cross to pay a price for your sins and for my sins so that we don't have to be separated from him. Like if we truly understand just what we're celebrating here, it's like, it, it, oh, it's the birth of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but what did that mean? It was the very thing that made it able for you to be born again, for you to be able to be in the presence of God, for you to be able to hear from God, for you to be emotionally healed, spiritually healed, physically healed. All of that began in a little stable. It's far more. It's, it's, it's the start of the life that was laid down for you and for me as a sign of the greatest love that no greater love hath any man than to lay down his life for a friend. And Jesus didn't just lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for those who were enemies against him. Come on, if that's not love, if that's not worthy of celebrating, can we just take a second and just thank God that he sent his son for us. Come on, just begin to thank him. Thank him for your salvation. Begin to thank him for the things he's done in your life. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for everything that you did, God. We thank you for what it means, God, to, to, that when your son was born, that it made it able for us to be born into the family of God, that, that Jesus was just going to be the firstborn among many brethren, Father because he chose to leave heaven and be of no reputation and empty himself and not see godly of being equal with God as something to be grasped, but instead he took on the form of a bondservant. He came and he laid down his life for us. So Father God, we just thank you for that love that was demonstrated to us, God. God, we thank you for the hope that we have today. God, I know there's people that are in this room and people that are out of the room that this is their first Christmas without a loved one, but God, we thank you that even in that, that Father, we don't mourn as those without hope, but God, those that we know we're saved, God, we know where they are, and we know that one day we'll be able to see them face to face again and be able to celebrate with them. God, I, I pray right now that your spirit is near to all of those who may be mourning right now, who may have grief in their heart, that this may be a, a hard time, God. And Lord, I pray that the joy of their salvation will be their strength. That the joy of the Lord will be their strength, God. That as we look back at this holiday season, as we look and, and reflect on this holiday season, God, that we recognize, God, just what it means that your son came for each of us. Father, as we get ready to get in your word today, 
I just pray you speak to us, God. Lord, I pray that your word will penetrate our hearts and our lives and bring forth the change that you desire it to. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as a kid, Christmas Eve was when we went over to my Papa Thompson's house. And, and my Papa Thompson was a preacher. And, and, you know, when you go to his house, you weren't, you weren't getting into the gifts and things until we had had the Christmas story read. And, and, and then we, we take time praying over every member in the, the family. And sometimes it would be like a, a two-hour church service in his living room before we ever got to the gifts. And, and I remember, like, as a little kid, it was like torture because you just... What, you're just like looking at the gifts, and it's like it's so close. I just, you know, because as a kid, our our focus is on those things, and, and and sometimes even as adults, we fall into that trap that our focus becomes on those things versus what it's really all about. And I love it that I had the heritage that that you know that kept God in the center of Christmas. That 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 we thanked him for all of the things. We'd go around the room and, and, and just thank him for things that he had done in our life, for things he was speaking to us in our life. And, and it was just such a, a precious time. And, and he would always pull out his, he has this burgundy old Bible. And by the time I got older, it was held together by duct tape on the, the backside of it. And, and, uh, but he would pull out that burgundy Bible and he would begin to read from Luke chapter 2. And I'm just going to read one short little part of Luke chapter 2, and then I want to share what God's kind of laid on my heart for today. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. This is when the shepherds were in the, the fields. It says, And the angel said to him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, when you look at this, he, he, the, the very first thing as they are announcing the birth of Jesus, the very first thing that it says is that G, you, you don't need to be afraid, but instead I'm bringing good news. Say good news. Good of great joy. Say great joy. He says, I, I am bringing good news and I am bringing great joy into your life because a Savior has been born today. Now, he didn't say, I'm bringing you good news, and, and, and you can have great joy because you're going to get a promotion today. And he didn't say, uh, I'm bringing you great news and, 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 and uh, good news and great joy because, you, you know, you're going to get a bigger house, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have all of these things. He said, no, I've got good news for you that's going to bring you great joy. A Savior is being born today. One who will take away the sins of your, uh, of your past. One who will take away the sins of your future. One who will lay down his life and pay the price for sin. The good news, I'm sending my son. And then when his son came, he lived on the earth for 33 years. And, and he, he, he had uh, some disciples that he raised up who would continue on the ministry. And, and Jesus meets with them. And, and he tells them that he's going to send a comforter to him. He's going to send his spirit in John chapter 16, verse 5. It says, but now I'm going to go to him who sent me. So he says, I'm getting ready to return to the Father. And none of you ask me where is he going because I have, I have said these things to you. And now sorrow has filled your heart. 
So here, at the beginning, when they came in relationship and things with Jesus, like there was a joy to be with him, to be chosen, to, to walk with him. It was a joy to, to see the miracles. It was a joy to see all of these things unfolded. And then when he's saying, I'm getting ready to go away, they begin to, go, begin to be sorrowful. But he told them in verse 7, he said, but nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, he will come to you. So he told him, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to, in another verse he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm, I'm going to send somebody who's here. And here's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, guess what he brings? The fruits of the Spirit. Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Matthew, Galatians 5, go ahead and pull it up. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. So here at the announcement of Jesus coming, it said good news and great joy. With the Holy Spirit coming who is in our hearts today, he says the evidence or the fruit of the Spirit of God being inside of you is that you have love, you have joy, you have, you have peace, you have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Everything that's on this list, if you are a believer and the Spirit of God is inside of you, you have all of these things. He didn't just come to give us joy. He also sent his spirit so that joy would be within us no matter what circumstances and situations we go through. See, every single believer has joy inside of them. Every single believer has peace inside of them. Every single believer has love inside of them. It's just up, up to us to begin to choose to walk in it. It's up to us to begin to not allow the circumstances of life to steal our love for other people. Not allow the circumstances of life to steal our joy uh, that, that God gives us. Because he gave us those things as a gift to us. Now if we have the, uh, you know, we open up our Christmas presents and, and we get these gifts and and somebody was coming over and like just taking your stuff, especially if you're a kid. Somebody's grabbing your stuff. I remember when me and my brother were uh, growing up, and and Jeremy. A lot of times, our grandparents would get us the same thing, and we would all have uh, uh, you know the same thing. And when we were getting ready to leave my grandpa's house that night, we'd be like, "No, that's mine. No, it's mine. No, it's mine," because we all three had the same thing. And somebody had lost theirs along the way, or somebody's had gotten broke along the way, but it was never mine that got broke. It was always theirs. Like, you ain't taking my stuff. That's mine, right? But how many of us fight for our joy like that? How many of us fight for our peace like that? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. You didn't, you didn't give me that, and you're not going to take that. That's mine. The Spirit of God didn't leave me. And so the joy isn't going to leave me. And so I refuse to acknowledge all of the other mess. Instead, I'm acknowledging God that is in me, and I'm going to walk in joy. I mean, that's what Proverbs says, is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge God. There's so many times that we acknowledge everything but God in our life. 
and then wonder why we have no joy. Jesus set the example of going through hard times, but yet having joy in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us so quickly. Let us run with endurance the race that has been, has been set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Do you think the cross was very fun for Jesus? Do you think it was a good day, like in his physical body, and then to be mocked, humiliated, beaten, whipped, scourged, all of those things? Come on, if, if Jesus can go through that and still have joy, why? Because the joy didn't come from his circumstances. The joy came from the Lord and the same joy that Jesus had in his heart when he's enduring all of those things is the same joy that the Holy Spirit brings in our heart. And we can go through hard times with joy. It says he despised shame and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, of course, that's, that was Jesus. Jesus can do that, but... Throughout scripture, it tells us the same thing. In James chapter 1, James says this. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let this steadfastness have its full effect, that, uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He said, count it joy when you're going into tribulations. Why? Because outside of the tribulation and in the tribulation, God is developing some endurance. God is developing something inside of you that is going to make you look more like his son, that is, that is going to make you more able to do what he's called you to do. That, that phrase, count it all joy, if you look it up in the Greek, it, it literally means count it pure joy or let it be of the opinion that it's joyful. See, we get to look at our situations and decide how we're going to look at them. We get to look at the different situations that we go through. There's not many people who would look at a cross and say that that was a joyful moment. But Jesus looked at the cross knowing that if I endured this cross on the other side of this cross, it means that other people will be set free from sin and be able to enter into the kingdom of God. And that, that what was broken by sin now would be restored so he was able to go through it with joy. In our circumstances, in our trial, we don't always know what's on the other side. But James just told us that if we go, when we're going through some things, that God is always doing a work inside of us to develop endurance and to make us equipped for everything that we need to do. So even in that, if I can do this and I go through it, I'm going to be stronger. Come on, there's nobody who really like works out because they think it's fun. Let's just be honest. You know, unless you're crazy. I've heard all that positive self-harm stuff and all that stuff. I don't know if I believe all that. Like, but when you know on the other side of it, you're stronger, you're healthier, you feel better, you've got more energy and all of those things, you're able to endure the pain and the soreness and all of that because you know on the other side of it, you're going to come out of it stronger. And that's what James tells us is that we can look at every situation 
And know that when we go through it, we're going to come out of it stronger on the other side. Count it all joy. Be of the opinion that it is joyful. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonians in chapter 5. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks to God in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you uh, in Christ Jesus. Look at this. <clears throat> he says, there's so many people, I, I just want to know what the will of God is for my life. I just want, to, just want to know what his plan is for me and everything. His plan is for you to rejoice. In all, like always, like any circumstance that you're going through. Instead of looking at all the negative things and stuff, look at the positive things that have happened in it. Last night I was tucking Chanan into bed and, and uh, you know, I read her her Bible and, and we were sitting there and, and it's kind of praying. And she's like, Dad, I'm tired of my room being a mess. Because her room was the room, I told you all a couple weeks ago, where we had a rainstorm in her room and, you know, had the... Uh, the, the roof caved in and we had to go put all the sheetrock and all that stuff back up and, and, and get it ready. But her room, it, we still got to paint it and, and a couple of little things and, and, and stuff and it would be finished. But, you know, all her furniture is on one side of the room and you got to kind of, to get to her closet, climb through some stuff and everything. And she was just like, I'm so tired of this. And I was like, well, baby, let's, let's think about this. How exciting would it have been if you were laying in your bed asleep and that water started leaking down on you. Wouldn't like that. How excited would you be right now if there was still a big hole in your roof right there? It's patched. It's it just all we got to do is get it painted. It's it, like we're, we're almost there, baby. What was I doing? I was trying to like, you can look at this circumstance and be like, this is horrible. I hate my room's messed up. Or you can look at it and be like, it's a whole lot better than it was last week. It, it's not perfect, but it's better. It's not perfect, but hey, there's a roof over my head. It, there's not sagging insulation. I didn't get wet, like all these things. I started just going through things and, and just talking to her like, you can choose to be joyful because you have joy. We have to understand that. Paul it isn't just something that he tells people, be joyful always. You know, for, for people who never have anything go wrong in their life, it's easy for them to tell other people to, to be joyful always. But you don't know what I'm going through in my life. Come on, that's the type of thing. Every time you, you give somebody a thing, but you don't know, you're, you're supposed to be, but you don't know what they did. You don't, you don't know, I, I can't forgive them. You don't know how bad it was. Well, okay, I know God can bless you, but you don't know what I've done in my past. Like, I hear these types of things all the time because the enemy always wants to eliminate us from being able to walk in the goodness of God and the things that God has for us. He doesn't want us to walk in joy. Why? Because he knows the joy of the Lord is our strength. That if we walk in joy, that we're going to cause harm to his camp. If we walk around in joy, there's going to be something that the world sees in us that they don't see in others. And it's going to be the thing that draws them to Jesus. So he wants us to be just as depressed as the world is. He wants us to be just as confused and struggle just as much. But what I want to tell you today is you don't have to walk through life like that. Because if you're a child of God, the Spirit of God is inside of you and you have joy. 
you have peace. You have love, and not just a, 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 like a brotherly love. You have the love of God that is in you that can help you forgive anyone who's ever hurt you and move past those. You have self-control. You don't have to be a victim to sin and, and things like that because the Spirit of God is inside. You have patience to drive through Christmas traffic, Pastor Aaron. You've got it, man. You can do this. But Paul walked through this, guys. He lived this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. He says, we put no obstacle in any man's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as bondservants of Christ, we commend ourselves in every way by, uh, by great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, in sleepless nights. Hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God. And, and these are the weapons of righteousness that we're in the right hand and for the left hand. Through honor and dishonor, through slander or praise, we are treated as imposters, yet we are true. As unknown, but yet we are well known. As dying, but behold, we live. As punished, but yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. He just, I went through imprisonments. I went through riots. I went through hunger. I went through lack. I went through all of these things. But you know what got me through it? My joy. Because I continue to rejoice. As poor yet many is rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. It, what's he saying? It didn't matter what my circumstances. He's not telling them rejoice always and he's never been through anything. He's telling them rejoice always because I have been through hell and high water and I made it. And it was the joy of the Lord. It was the fact that I was rejoicing. It was the fact that I was looking for Jesus in these things. That I was able to make it. Jesus in his sermon on the mount talked to about joy and 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 even warned his disciples of things that were coming up in Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 <coughs> it says um, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you does it feel like you're blessed when people are angry at you and talking about you and they like but it says, blessed are you when they persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In verse 13, so he's, I'll, 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 he says, rejoice when you're under persecution. Rejoice when people falsely accuse you. Rejoice and be glad in, in these things, because remember, your reward's going to come in heaven and all of that. Verse 13, it says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, then how will its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under other people's feet. I want to stop here just for a bit of context because I've never looked at this verse like this before. As I was reading through this verse this week, 
I felt like God kind of showed me, like, Jesus didn't transition thought. He's talking about persecution, then he's talking about salt. Like, he didn't get hungry and start talking about how bland some people's food is and stuff. You know what I mean? He's like, he's doing this for a reason. In context, he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when you're reviled, when people come against you. You're the salt of the earth. But if salt's lost its taste, then how can its saltiness be restored? But rejoice and be glad, right? That's, that's what he said in the previous verse. Could it be that the salt losing its saltiness is us losing our joy when we're persecuted? Like I went back and I kept reading it over and over again, and there's no transitional statement. There's no, there's no okay, I'm on to a new parable. I'm on to a new story. I'm on to a new thing. It's no, you're going to be persecuted, but be glad and rejoice. You're going to get a reward in heaven. And it almost seemed like it's, so don't allow it to make you lose your flavor. Don't allow it to make you lose the thing that makes you something that people will taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't lose your, we look at saltiness as like sass and being mad and all that stuff, but, but Jesus used it as a good thing. Come on, like, that's one thing I, I, most of the time, especially since I lived in South Louisiana, when somebody cooks for me, one of the first things I'm looking for is a salt shaker and some pepper. Because I got used to food being well seasoned and anything without that little extra touch of salt and pepper and stuff just tastes bland and you know and, and other people would be diving in and be like man this is awesome this is so good and I'm like y'all got any salt <laughs> just a little pepper something just throw on there and Jesus almost makes it look like when we're not willing to rejoice, even when we're persecuted, that we become flavorless, that we lose. And then he goes on and he continues the thought. I'm going to have the worship team. You guys can come on up. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot easily be hidden. <clears throat> Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand so that it gives light to the whole house. And in the same way, let your light shine before all men. Again, I can't help but think that this light that he's talking about is directly tied to us still having joy in our life, no matter what circumstances that we're facing. No, 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 put your light of joy on a lampstand so that other people can see it. Then people will see the good works that you have in your life and they'll give glory to the Father. So this is very close to what Paul said to Thessal uh, the church in Thessalonica in chapter 1. He said, we give thanks to you always, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father uh, your work of faith and the labor of love and steadfast hope that we had in Christ. For we know that our brothers are loved by God and that we're chosen uh, you 
because the gospel uh, came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, full of conviction. And yet, uh, what kind of men we prove to be among you for the sake. As you became imitators of us, look at this, and you received the word in much affliction. So when you heard the message that I came with, you weren't in a joyful place. You were in affliction. And I'm telling you today, there's people in the room that are in deep sorrow. There's people that are in the room that are in grief. There, there's people that are going through some things right now. But you have the choice to receive this word today and choose joy for your life. He said, you received the word even when you were under great affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you became an example to the believers. Look at that, to the believers. The fact that you, even under affliction, receiving the word, putting it into practice, choosing to do it, became not just an example to the lost, but to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You see, this morning we get to choose. We get to choose to shine our light of joy. We get to choose to walk in joy. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.